please be advised that the content of this show is for adults 18 and older due to mature topics and subject matter. Hi everyone, I'm Abby from Dublin, Ireland, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Romantic Truth Podcast. Allow me to introduce the guy I dumped once upon a time and live to regret it, Jaosan, your host in Las Vegas. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth Las Vegas, baby, yeah, keeping it real. Erica writes the following. I live in South Carolina, I'm not going to give you the details because I'm too embarrassed, but I do have to get this off of my chest. I broke up with my boyfriend recently, I didn't want to tell him why. I came down with an STD from him. I was in bad shape because I'm a three-hole girl. I guess you know what that means. And I had gonorrhea in every orifice. I didn't want to see him again after I got the diagnosis. I didn't call him, didn't say anything. I know I was wrong for doing that, but I was so angry that nothing positive could have come out of my mouth. I'm a positive person, and I'm trying to get my life together. At 27 years old, I have career and everything in good order. I thought I had a good man, he had a good job, but he's one of these insecure guys that work in the tech industry. And unfortunately for him, he doesn't feel as though he's arrived. I guess I wasn't a good enough woman for him. The one thing that I want to know is this. In what way can I decipher whether a man is good or not? Because everything I've tried so far in the past has been or not. Would love to hear your response to this. Erica, South Carolina, love your show. Would love to be a guest one day. Erica, um, sorry about your situation, even though I had nothing to do with it. Um, sorry to hear about it, at least. Gonorrhea in the mouth, the butt, and the vagina. Oh my goodness. Look, um, here's the thing, dear. There's no crystal ball. People are very good at concealing their agendas the way they are. You have to go with some of the obvious things that come out. You know, it's like going down a trail where it's booby traps. And if you don't know where they are, you'll probably get booby trapped. But if you're looking for booby traps, there's a good possibility you will adhere to your best safety. Well, the same thing holds true when it comes to relationships. I think you've forgiven this guy more than he deserved. And see, this is what happens with people when they're so in love with someone. They're not really in love with the person, they're in love with the idea of being in love with the person. And there's a big difference. Because the thing is, is this. When you're in love with someone, guess what happens to make you more attracted to them? They listen to you. They consider your feelings and emotions. So they modify their behavior and the situations they will expose you to based on that premise. Now, if you have the narrative in your head and you want nothing but giggles and roses, yes, you're gonna bypass those red flags because they're not gonna be important to you. 
they're going to be just like a car alarm at 11 o'clock at night and you don't feel like going out to see who's stealing your car. Well, it's the same concept. You don't want nothing negative to happen. So you go into the state of denial. The problem for you is you don't come out of this stupor until after it's too late. Now you talk about how he was an insecure guy in the tech industry. That's a common theme. And the reason being, a lot of these guys are good at what they do on the work side, on the business side, but many of them have horrible interpersonal skills. And what happens, a lot of them wind up working as programmers, developers, where they don't have to deal with people. See, when I got into the IT field, the reason why I got into it, believe it or not, was to get away from people and to work on machines because I had dealt with people before in marketing, public relations, radio, television. So the thing was, I wanted a break from people. Only to find out that as a business systems analyst, project manager, you're dealing with even more people with more agendas. Oh, why do we have this portal set up like this? Why don't we design the UX like this? Why don't we go and have this feature on the UX. Well, guess what? It's not in the work order. That's not going to happen. And going back and forth and dealing with that, the trauma dealing with department heads, division heads, management, executives. It's a pain in the ass, working budgets and that kind of thing. So what happens is this. These people are great when it comes down to being locked in a room, and being in their own world, only dealing with other techies. So many times what some of these guys doing, a lot of them wind up being gamma males, not alphas. They want the same charisma, the same notoriety as an alpha male, the guy who's out there and the women are all over him. But they don't have the, the interpersonal skills to get it. So what do they do? They buy lavish cars. They go out and spend money like crazy. And therefore, what happens is even the low-hanging fruit of gold diggers go to these guys. The women that really got the confidence and that are really out there looking for an alpha, when I say an alpha, I'm not talking about the fictional alpha male that's supposed to be the ace of everything. I'm talking about the guy that's just presenting an image. There are more of those out there than there are true alphas. Because the true alphas, I told you before, they don't get married, they don't have children, they have a string of women, and their ego, what they are about, is far more important than what any other person could ever be to them. Because the way they look at it is this, I'm not going to give up my fan base, my audience, the people that love me over you, one person who could love me. When I have all these other people down line who respect me, depend on me, and love me, you don't rank that high. You're just another number. Take a back seat. That's the way the alpha male, the true alpha, behaves. It's all about him. There's no room, no oxygen in the room for anybody else. He's not going to be burdened down with kids. He's not going to be sitting there worrying over bills. 
He's never going to show a weakness in public. That's for damn sure. And he loves the intoxication of people admiring him. That's what he wants. That's right. On your knees. Bow to me. That's the way they function. And then what happens with that alpha? He has flunkies that will go and take the bullet for him. They will literally go and sacrifice themselves for that person. And even if he has a girlfriend or a woman that he's seen with a lot, she already knows that he's with other women and she's willing to accept that she has to. She has no other choice. Well, she does have choices, but she won't use them because her identity is wrapped up in being associated with this man. That's if he's a, he allows it. Some alphas will, but a true alpha won't have that happen because she would hamper his opportunities to be attractive to more other women than her. And he doesn't have to look, do a lot of qualifying and explaining because see, the alpha feels as though if he has to explain something to someone, he's being subservient. He wants absolute control and dominance without question. And he, believe it or not, folks, this guy doesn't use fear or intimidation. What he does use, he leverages status, identity, the weaknesses in many people trying to get up to that level of being respected. He leverages that against everybody else. So what happens with alphas usually, true alphas? They have a lot of people with low self-esteem underneath them. Oh, and there'll be some attractive people. But the thing is, he's a magnet for insecure people because he can manipulate them and he can use them at will. Now, what are some of the things that associated with this? We're just going to go on this tangent for just a minute. What are some of the things that make this guy so appealing? Here it is. He's admired by men and women. The guys want to be like him. The women want a man like him. And so the way he captivates couples like that is... The guy in the relationship want to be his buddy. He'll be his flunky. The woman wants to be his bed wench. Literally. You can look at the dynamic with Donald Trump. There are women out there that have gone on television and said that you know he was handsome, and that if he wasn't married, and they went on and on down on that tangent. There are women right now that will guide their husbands to be a friend of a man so she'll have a shot at being with him. And she probably don't want to be when she wants to sleep with him. She wants to feel better about herself because she looks at her man as a failure. Oops, that guy stepped on a toe there too because here is the thing you have to realize. 
Oh, and some men do this with women too. Don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. That alpha female, that's the friend of the wife or girlfriend. Now, this girlfriend's already committed, got her man. But she puts this female that's single, independent, you name it, rah, 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 got all her shit going on and doesn't have to brag about herself because people brag about her. So there's one thing about an alpha. They never have to talk about how good they are. They let everyone else do that. This is how you distinguish a lot of people that have low self-esteem. They got to brag, big themselves up because nobody else is doing it. With alphas, they do it. The people do it for them. Even when it comes down to titles or names, the people give them the name. That alpha don't come out and say, I'm a queen, I'm a king. They don't do that. The people who are underneath them are the ones that give them that title. They have that much control and influence. And here's the thing. Instead of leveraging threats, what they leverage is exclusion. I'll cut you off from even having access to me. And for some people with low self-esteem, that is the kiss of death. No, 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 no. Don't leave me out of your life. You can still use me the way you want to. Again, a lot of you are saying, it ain't me. But some of you know it's you. Even some of you who said it ain't me. Oh yeah, they like to call it clout chasing or whatever. But here's the thing. The cloud chase, you're only going to be a fan. When you're in that circle, you're going to have access and influence. And who you'll be influencing the most? Not the alpha. Everybody else, the betas, the gammas, the deltas, all the people down line from you. Now, getting back to this. When that gamma, when that alpha female is living the life that that beta female, who's her friend, would like to live, what is she gonna do? Probably put pressure on her man to measure up. Oh, well, you know, she went to the Maldives. Honey, why can't we go to the Maldives? Trying to keep up with the Joneses. This woman probably went to the Maldives in a five-star restaurant, private jet and a whole nine. That beta female wants to keep up, but she can't afford to because she and her man don't make enough, so what happens? They wind up going on a budget to the Maldives just to say they've been there and take pictures at the location where the alpha female went and they're just there as a visitor. The alpha female was there as a resident, hotel resident for those two or three months or weeks or whatever because they're trying to seek status and notoriety okay I'm not as wealthy as you but I'm right underneath you now ladies this is what some men will do 
they find out, and a lot of you ladies are good at hiding this kind of female from your man until after you marry or have a commitment or you're cohabitating or something, because you know damn well you admire that woman. You would like to be like her in some capacity, but the thing is, you're not willing to take those risks. Let her take the risk and you benefit from her success. And she's telling you about her trips to Europe and everything else and what this purse costs and this and that and you're just up there in a way fantasizing about, damn, I could do that. Some women will put pressure on their man to make more money so that she could keep up with that lifestyle. But the guy may be looking at it from standpoint, shit, let me try to shoot my shot at old girl. Especially if he's already marginalized by his woman. You don't make enough. She's single. We make more money than she does, but she has this lifestyle that we don't have. Why? Well, we have a mortgage. We have kids. We have this. We have that. We have this. She doesn't have those things. And that envy comes in, especially if the lady who's married or in a relationship has been with this guy for a while and thinks she doesn't see us going anywhere compared to this other woman's living her best life, at least on the surface. You don't know what's going on. Even start dressing like her. Having her hair done like her. Maybe getting a car that's maybe a few models less than what she has. Just to have a name Mercedes or BMW. Men do this shit too. And so, it's all about identifying. And see, once that inferiority complex has got a hold of your ass, and now you feel like somebody because you're hanging around somebody that you perceive as successful, and you're thinking it's going to rub on you, rub off on you like some kind of damn DNA or genetic code. You don't know what that person had to do to get where they are. The only thing you're seeing are the results. And results-oriented people scare me. The reason being... They don't care how something is made as long as it supposedly is presented to them and supposed to work a function properly. This is how people wind up with lemons when it comes down to bad cars. Oh, I like the color of it. It's nice looking. It's got the rims, the tires, and the tinted windows, and da-da-da-da-da. They're going on and on and not looking at some of the specs on the car. Not doing the due diligence to see, you know what? These cars are notorious for oil leaks. These cars are notorious for maybe the separation of these struts or whatever assembly. Oh, that's too much. That's too involved. This is the same mindset people use when they talk about too much information when someone's telling them things about themselves or telling them about a situation they'll be dealing with if they got into a relationship with them. Oh, they're going to throw away the owner's manual. <laughs> we don't need that. And then after shit is fucked up, then they come back. Why didn't you tell me? I did tell you this didn't listen. You only saw what you wanted to see. Just like this young lady. 
that wrote this email. She saw what she wanted to see in a man that didn't exist. And I guarantee you, she avoided, threw away, bypassed every red flag because when you get where your personal interest is peaked and the only thing you're concerned about is what you want, you don't give a damn how you have to get it, that's the price you pay. That's the price you pay. So you have to be careful about that. That's the reason why your due diligence is very important before you go into a relationship. Your understanding of what you're getting involved with. If that person's trying to tell you something, you better damn sure listen. Because it could be something that could save your life, save your health. And it could be something where they're giving you a fair judgment to make a decision on whether or not you want to be with them. And you're going to throw that shit away. One of the most valuable pieces of information in your life. Because you get with that person, you get in a relationship, you have a child with that person. Now you're dealing with a whole different group of circumstances. That can impact your life. I remember a lady one time told me right here in Vegas, she said, well, you know, uh, all the men say I'm pretty and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, you're attractive. She said, yeah, but I got to be honest with you. I have a gambling addiction. I said, how bad is it? She said, it's about $3,000 a month. Damn. I'm like, well, I appreciate your candor and honesty. What do you like playing? So I love the slots. I said, um, I'm not going to ask you this personal question. But I am going to ask you this personal question. And she's like, well, what's that? And she was bracing for it. I said, um, do you live off your credit cards? No. Next thing I asked. I said, okay. I said, I'm not getting personal again, even though I was getting personal. Payday loans? She got quiet. I said, oh, shit. We're still friends to this day, by the way. She's a very nice person. But she can't kick that addiction. She's tried Gamblers Anonymous, all of that. Can't do it. Cannot do it. But this is the way she chose to live her life. That's the lifestyle that she chose. I had the option of not intervening, which I chose not to do. Because it wouldn't help me. And thank you, George, for that email. The thing you got to realize is that when these people tell you something about themselves, that they're doing you a courtesy because they don't have to. And the way you receive it is the way they interpret it. So if you say, like the lady told me, I have a gambling addiction. She was straight up honest with me. That's one of the reasons that she's a friend to this day. She could have lied to me and told me anything to lure me into a relationship with her. But I know that addiction is far more important than anything I could ever offer this woman. And I accepted that as she is for who she is. Do I think less of her because she has that addiction? No, I don't. 
because the one thing I'll give her credit for it's managing her true enough not, she's not managing the addiction it's managing her but she's keeping it in the parameters of her life she's disciplined enough to do that now when a person reveals something to you and you take that information and throw it out the window, you don't give a shit. They look at that as, okay, you're accepting everything that I was going to tell you then by default. It's a yes going forward in a relationship. They're going to throw it back in your face and they're going to say, why are you complaining now? I disclosed this to you in the beginning of the relationship and now you're coming back and you're saying, oh my God, I didn't know all this. It's too late now. listen to them. A lot of times people are telling themselves. They will tell on themselves. As I told you, affirmation is a big thing in life for us as humans. And depending on how your confidence is structured when you're younger, will have some of an impact on how you develop as an adult. Some people grow and then they, they realize, hey, you know what? Let me work on these things. And I can tell you, as an only child, when I say that, I had a half-sister, but there was a big age gap, so it was just me, mom, and dad. Here's the interesting thing, though. I had to realize that I would do something mom and dad probably wouldn't understand. But what I would classify it as was an achievement. Because I put my effort in it. I had an idea. I put my effort towards that idea. And then I had a result. And then I had a post-critique of it. I remember we had this, uh, mom bought me some Play-Doh one time, a whole bunch of uh, clay, different colored clay. And what I decided to do was make a volcano with it. So I looked at the picture of the volcano they had in Hawaii, and I tried to model it after that. And I said, wait a minute, it doesn't quite look right. And so I tried to form it as best I could as to the specs of that volcano. Still couldn't do it. Still didn't look right. So I started drawing it. And then I realized, damn, I can draw. And the drawing was better than the model of the volcano I did. And what I realized at that point, okay, that is the person I need to measure up to. That's the expectation I need to make. That of myself. My own personal affirmation. I can't go by somebody else's view. I can only go by mine. Now, hear me out though. That's different when you're working for someone else, isn't it? 
your view of, hey, I got to get this right, may fall in the category of, you know what, you're taking up too much time. You need to just go on and do it and just get it done with. And what you'll run across, and a lot of people do this, especially if you have ADHD or one of those alphabet soup conditions, where you're not satisfied because it's not perfect. And that was another thing that I had to also curtail. That pursuit of perfection is an insecurity. And what I started to do with my artwork and things, I said, okay, I'm gonna give it a certain time limit. And then at that particular time that I've given my effort in it, it's done. I'm not gonna do a damn thing else to it. It's done. It's finished. It's the way it is and I'm content with it and I'm moving on. When you start limiting yourself on some of the things, what you'll start to realize is that you'll be more productive because you have a deadline to meet. And that will help you when it comes down to going into the workplace. You know, before I ever took any job, first thing I did was crack open a book, several books, and studied as much as I could on that job. From pay rate all the way down to duties. When I applied for a job and I looked at the job description, I went in and made the comparison on what would be expected as an industry standard. So it gave me an idea of what to expect, a familiarity with some of the things that they may try to bring on it. What I found funny was that in many of the jobs I had, you know, they would come in like this, this new thing, and then I would know more about it than the person's talking about it. And then with that, it kept me ahead of the game. Same thing with school. I signed up for classes. Well, classes don't start till the next semester. Guess what I'm doing? I'm already studying some of those subjects. I'm already looking at the syllabus and going down and studying some of the things that they're gonna be doing in that class. So that when I went in there, I was prepared. And not getting in the class talking about, oh, really? And then worrying about failing and passing the test. One of the best instructors I had was a guy by the name of Jerry Horn. Marine biology, oceanography is what he taught. This man would stand in front of the class and look at the clock at the back of the room. He never opened the textbook. And he could stand there and literally verbatim tell you every word in that textbook about that particular subject. The only thing you had to do in this man's class was to take notes. And what he did, he shortened the gap between what was in the book and practical application. And before we would leave his classroom, if somebody had moved a desk out of line, he would call out the person's name and said, could you please put the desk back in line with the rest of the desk? And he wouldn't even be looking at them. His peripheral vision was exceptional. 
And see, that was the thing. When you learn from good mentors, when you learn from good students that became teachers, that helps immensely. Now, years ago I had a boss, and Veronica, if you're listening to the show, I still love you, dear. She was um, an older woman. At the time, I was thinking I was in my 30s, and Veronica was like in her 50s, early 50s. And Veronica would call me into the office and sit me down. And she'd talk about concepts in IT. And she says, um, let's lay out the infrastructure for this building. Well, the infrastructure was already laid out, all the IT. But what she was doing was trying to get me in the habit of thinking when I go out to a client's location, envisioning how everything should be laid out based on the topography and everything that's there. Very close friend of mine. I learned a lot from her. She was a forward thinker. Conversations. I've gone into job interviews where we didn't even talk about the damn job. Went to one interview, the man was talking about European history, about the wars. And for an IT job. Here's a history buff. And at the end of the interview, he says, when can you start? And I told him, he said, yeah, you're probably wondering why I didn't ask you any questions about IT. He said, I looked at your resume and by far, you have already had exposure to things that we haven't even gotten to yet. This is what happens sometimes when they've already made a decision and you don't know it. People do this in relationships too. The woman may not come out and say she wants to be with you, but she shows you that she wants to be with you. See, the woman that tells you what her, her status is, like married women are quick to let a man know that, he's, that she's married. She's not gonna bite her tongue about it. She said, no, you know, my husband's gonna have a problem with that if I went to lunch with you. She's gonna let you know that because that's a sense of pride for her. That's an accomplishment. There's nothing wrong with that. But fellas, that woman that reciprocates, but you guys haven't really um, laid a foundation or anything yet, but you guys are like communicating with each other and you're exchanging little emojis with the hearts and all this stuff. Now, in some ways that could be misinterpreted. In other ways, it could actually bring you together as a couple. It depends. And of course, you test the waters. 
It depends on the person. I never forget years ago, I was on a date with a lady. And we weren't really in a relationship. And it wasn't really a date officially. It was more like we decided to just go have coffee together. She considered it a date. I considered it just a uh, you know, meetup with two friends. And I took her picture because in my contacts, I had her number, her name, but I didn't have a picture of her. So I took her picture. And she was at first kind of bashful. No, I don't look that good. That woman was smoking hot. Well, after we had gone our ways, you know, and she texted me back and had, you know, I had a nice time. I really liked you. We need to talk more. We need to engage more. Cool. This woman sent me about eight pictures of herself where she considered herself at her best. Now I'll admit they were nice pictures, but the one I took of her, and this woman was older now. Those pictures she sent me were back when she was in her 20s and 30s. She was in her 40s at the time. This woman, no joke, looked better in her 40s than she ever did in life, those younger pictures. And that was because at that age, she finally got in tune with what works best for her as far as physical appearance. She looked like a contemporary woman that could easily fall into a 20s, 30s, or 40s category. She didn't look like an old woman, is what I'm saying. She didn't dress like an old woman. And I told her, I said, you know, you look better now than you ever did in your life, according to these pictures. And she was kind of taken aback by it. And she said, you know, my mother told me the same thing. It's like you could tell in the developmental stages, she was gradually getting better and better and better with her makeup and everything else. In her 40s, she had her shit together. And for some women, that's the way it works. Some of you ladies are actually hotter now, older than you were when you were younger. Some of you didn't have the attention when you were younger. The guys didn't take you to the prom. And by the way, fellas, let me tell you something. That's a good question to ask a woman when you start dating her. Has she ever gone to the prom? Well, if she hasn't, guess what? Your next date or the date that you guys decide on could be, you can call it your prom date. And you guys can dress up to the nines and go somewhere and have a nice time. That's your belated prom date. Nothing's wrong with that. But here's the thing also. You're going to run into some women that don't think that they've ever made it to that point of being attractive. And they could be beautiful and attractive as hell and not feel that way, not see themselves that way. Now, some of it may be errant negative thoughts, true enough. Others may have to do with the influences that they've grown up with. Where they were the attractive one in the family, but everybody called her ugly to keep her in check. 
That's the reason why I tell you, sometimes your family and your friends will hold you back from your success in life. And you have to measure that as you mature. Because see, a lot of them don't want you to go further than they've gone, especially siblings. They want to trip you up and hold you back because they have more control over you that way. Because what are they controlling? They're controlling that insecurity you have. That's your Achilles heel. And once you've outdone them, in that sense, they really have no use for you until you're very successful and they need you for something. Friends are this way too. And so you have to keep that in mind as well. And then they'll say something like, oh, you know, that was old news, you know, yeah, I used to tease you about that. And guess what? When they don't get their way, they bring that very same thing up that they said that they were trying to distance themselves from. Because that's the only weapon of choice they have with you. They'll bring it up. You had a bad marriage. They're not letting you live that down. They got to talk about that shit until you die. They amplify every choice that you made that they can critique you on. But yet they live their lives in such a conservative way that they try to shield themselves from everything. And that's not the way to go either. I used to have friends of mine, they used to tell me, man, why do you have friends in this place and that place and in low places and high places? I said, because they're still people. You try to cordon yourself off from the rest of the world, you're at a disadvantage when you have to face it. You've been in that bubble so long, you don't know whether the shit or go blind. You don't want to be that person. Because it's too easy for you to be taken advantage of. You want to be aware. The other thing too, a lot of times people will act as if they don't want to be in a relationship when they do. Even though they're telling you they don't want anything serious, what do they start doing? Fighting hard to know where you were. Fighting hard to know what your schedule is going to be the next day. Fighting hard to see if they can consume more time with you. The reason why a lot of people will do this is because they've been told in the past many times, you know what? You're pushing things too fast. You're pushing things too hard. And so the countermeasure to that is no, I'm not looking for a relationship. I want you to come over after work. I'm not looking for a relationship. Don't stop at a fast food restaurant. Come over to my place for dinner. I'm not looking for a relationship. I'm lonely. Come on over tonight. I'm not looking for a relationship. I want you to spend the night. I'm not looking for a relationship. 
we could save money if we moved in together. I'm not looking for a relationship. You know, we should get a joint bank account. I'm not looking for a relationship. Why don't you go and work with the company I work for? I know the management there, I can get you a job there. I'm not looking for a relationship. What kind of woman are you looking for? I'm not looking for a relationship. I'd be the best woman for you. I'm not looking for a relationship. Why didn't you uh, give, why did you return my text? I'm not looking for a relationship. Why didn't you call me back? I'm not looking for a relationship. When am I gonna meet your family? I'm not looking for a relationship. When am I gonna meet your friends? I'm not looking for a relationship. Do you wanna have kids? I'm not looking for a relationship. Do you ever wanna get married? And it goes on and on and on. And this person's fighting an internal battle. Cognitive dissonance. I don't want a relationship, but I'm still advancing myself towards one. You will run across these folks because what they're trying to do is qualify to themselves that I can pull out of this at any time. These are people that usually can't. Once they start a relationship, they cannot get themselves out, whether it's bad, horrible, or whatever, they're just like they're going down a drain. They have weak emotional resistance. You know, it's like, fellas, you know this kind of lady? Well, there'd be no sex before I get engaged with you. Well, why don't you come on in? You know, we had a nice time at the restaurant and just want to show you my place. You can meet my dog. Oh, let me go and get something comfortable. There's beer in the fridge. And she goes and she sits by you. Let's watch a movie. And she's leaning over. Then you start kissing. And then when you start kissing, your hand goes in her top. You got a handful of titty, and then you start sucking on her nipple. And then at first she's gonna give you that pretentious, you know, you need to stop. We need to stop. So you stop. Then she leans over to make sure that you can get your hand there again. Meanwhile, she's unzipping your pants. What's this? Playing that game. Then you have sex. And I mean, it's that sex the first time you have it. It's that sex. It's dark outside when you start, and the damn sun will be blazing in your face the next morning. You still in it. On and off, on and off, fits and, fits and starts. And then she tells you something like, You only want me for sex. You only want this relationship because of sex. Because she's got that virus and morse feeling sorry that she gave so much of herself and shared so much of herself too quickly. That's an internal battle she has. And then you decide, okay, well, you know, you don't want me here because uh, apparently, yeah, but I want our relationship to be more than about sex. Okay. So you go on, you leave, you go to work or whatever. She calls you up. I want you to come over, I cook dinner. 
You go over, you cook dinner, she goes, you eat dinner, and what happens? You're fucking again. And then, eventually, she doesn't even come up with that argument about, you just want me for sex. She's like, okay, I got his stomach full, I got his dick empty, so everything is gonna be all right on my end. There's some women that think this way. But they come in with that game that they play with themselves because they're not playing it with the men. The men already know. We already know. But we go through it with the women just so that they can feel comfortable because that's a big word for women, comfort. And so when she's comfortable, she's gonna quit talking about, you only want me for sex. Because what's going to happen is, that's what she wants. See, we don't talk about that. Men have always been the villain when it came down to the word sex. Oh, there's some horny-ass women out there. And trust me. They want to be in a committed relationship a lot of times. Where they could be themselves. And they don't have to be ashamed or not to put on any airs. So if they ask you to do certain things in the bedroom to them, they want to feel comfortable that they made the right choice with the person to do it with. Because we got to face it, when men and women are naked and together, they're the most vulnerable they'll ever be. We're soft tissue creatures. Many other creatures would kick our asses if we were just walking around naked trying to fight them. We had to have tools and shit. So we're the most vulnerable when we're together like that. Now, another thing too to keep in mind too, fellas. If you have sex with a woman, a lot of times what happens, believe it or not, she has a sense of validation. He accepted me. He accepted my stretch marks, my gut, my this, my that. And for some women, that's a big thing because that's such a big phobia for them. Especially if they were criticized in a past relationship or marriage for it. And now they got this guy that's tearing it up, not leaving a drop on the table. It makes her feel appreciated, wanted, desired. That carries a lot of weight and goes a long way. And that's what we have to understand. You see, the one thing to keep in mind, men are vulnerable too like that. Ladies, a lot of guys, believe it or not, are ashamed about their penis size. And the reason why they're ashamed about their penis size is because when a woman wants to insult a man, what's the first thing she usually says? Oh, he has a little dick. And I didn't believe it until I actually looked at uh, 
a post that somebody sent me from Adult Friend Finder. There was a lady on there that literally said she only wanted and wanted to be with men with small penises and did not want any black men in particular. She was looking for men with no more than five inches. That was her preference. And she made the assumption, of course, that all black men have big dicks. I wouldn't know, but a lot of women have told me, she said, oh, no, she said, nope. And I said, well, you know, in any category of anything, there's no such thing as all because there are gonna be variations of everything in life. So, understand that too, ladies, because you're building a man's confidence too. And many of you proactively do it by telling him he was great when he wasn't, those kind of things. Be honest. You don't have to be mean. You can be honest. Maybe certain angles need to happen. You know, it's funny. The one lady wrote in about how she couldn't date a man with a gut because she had one. And she was saying that if they ever tried missionary position, which was a favorite, that his dick wouldn't be long enough because their guts would probably collide and create, a, create that space down there. And I told her you could probably re-angle it where it would probably work. And she said, no, nah, it doesn't feel right when this sweaty belly is going against my sweaty belly. But she's putting the onus of losing the gut only on the man. And I was like, well, what about your efforts? And she said, well, men are supposed to try to satisfy the woman. I said, well, if you're gonna make a demand like that, you know, what's good for the goose is not good for the gander, you're messed up. It should be equal. It should be equal. And yes, women do discriminate against men. There are some women that won't date uncircumcised men. There are some women that won't date circumcised men. It depends. It totally depends because there are differences in every category, every situation. And you never know. But in any case, folks, I want you to take care. And the takeaways from this today, listen to your partner. Don't count it off as TMI. Listen, you might learn something. Also, understand that you don't have to follow somebody's footsteps in order to identify and define yourself. Take care. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer.
Type in JAUSAN in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes. In the event for professional assistance, please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.